Today on Onward to Victory, we cut through the mid-19th century Indiana wilderness on a journey discovering the modest origins of the University of Notre Dame. Emphasis on modest here. Who would have thought the school, which would soon become synonymous with the Irish, was founded on the back of a tenacious Frenchman? Buckle up your chin straps, Irish fans. This is Onward to Victory. Irish fans, we are rolling. Welcome to Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. My name is Alex Painter, and I am the host, writer, producer, researcher, and chief bottle washer for this humble program. Regardless of where you are tuning in from today, and the program has been heard in 44 states and 23 different countries, please note that I am incredibly grateful. Thank you. Also, please note that I don't share that in a braggadocio fashion. I only share it because I feel strongly that the tie that binds us, a passion for the University of Notre Dame and the football program, of course, sure is a powerful one. This is episode 34, but I hope you have had an opportunity to listen to the last two offerings. I think they were really fun listens. So last episode, 33, was titled Ghost Stories for Golden Domers, Tales of a Haunted Notre Dame. Now, that one was released for Halloween, but if you listen to it, then you know it can really truly be enjoyed year-round. So, despite the fact that Halloween is now in the rearview mirror, you can still go back and listen to it and I think really, really enjoy it. Now, episode 32 was called The Pigskin Magician, The Forgotten Lore of Lewis Red Salmon, about Notre Dame's first truly sensational football player. Now, that one has caught some attention such an undertold story, and it, I'm glad that a lot of people seem to be enjoying it. If you haven't had a chance to listen to The Pigskin Magician, man, jump back into the show archives and pull it up. It is a great story, and it's not only a great story, it's told in an era of Notre Dame football history that's just really not covered a whole lot, because if that era of Notre Dame history was covered more, then everybody would know Lewis Red Salmon, or Red Salmon. But of course, that was before Coach Rockney arrived on the scene as a player. So, you know, a lot of people, myself included, often fall victim to the idea that Notre Dame football really started with Rockney. Now, you could definitely make that argument, but don't forget about my guy, Red Salmon. Special thank you to the Onward to Victory Consensus All-American squad. So those who support the show from a financial standpoint, and keep it not just on the air, but advertisement-free and ever-expanding. If you want to find out how to donate and get some complimentary show merchandise, hang tight to show wrap-up, please. I'll tell you how. Our Consensus All-Americans, the real MVPs in the room here, include Michael Finan of Rutherford, New Jersey, perhaps one of the most ardent supporters of the show. Thank you so much, Michael. Brad Glazer 
of Williamsburg, Indiana. Perhaps one of the biggest fighting Irish fans I know. And then how about a trio of siblings in Adam, Weston, and Colton Painter. Adam and Weston hail from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Colton calls Cleveland, Ohio home. Now, I'll go, for lack of a better phrase, public with this here soon, but I am very, very happy to announce that the show has been re-upped for yet another year, thanks to the contributions from the All-Americans. I am incredibly excited about this. I have tons more ideas for episodes. However, what I will say is, if you have an idea for a show, or if you want me to do some digging on something and make an episode about it, don't hesitate to reach out to me or reach out to the show on the various channels which you can, uh, whether it be Facebook or email. I'll, I'll cover all that in show wrap-up. But again, if you dig the show, don't hesitate to chip in however you'd like, even if it's not actual money. So for this episode, I asked as part of a recent Facebook contest whether you all would like a, quote, famous subject or a, quote, not-so-famous subject. Now, overwhelmingly, you all favored the not-so-famous subject. So, while elements of this may be somewhat well-known, I still believe this is certainly a story that isn't known to many. I joke and use the phrase commonly on the show, let's go back to the beginning. Well, for this episode, we are going back to the very beginning, and we are going to talk about the story of the founding of the college. I think you Notre Dame history buffs are really going to love this one. All right, so without further ado, I give you Intrepid Spirit, Father Edward Soren, and the founding of Notre Dame, right after this. All right, so according to Notre Dame quarterback, coach, historian, and archivist, the late Chet Grant, quote, the founding father of Notre Dame was an expert marble shooter who enjoyed competing against his elementary students. This apparently, Grant notes, was his closest approach to athletic competition, end quote. This, of course, stands in stark contrast from the exemplary athletic reputation that Notre Dame has held and enjoyed for over a century. But the man whose name is inextricably connected with the university was Father Edward Soren. Now, as stated in the episode's introduction, Soren was not Irish. He was, in fact, French, and he was born in France on February 6, 1814. As a young boy, he was educated by his mother, but he would ultimately enter the seminary. He completed all of his courses very well, in fact, and was ordained a priest in 1838 when he was 24 years old. He was enrolled in the Congregation of the Holy Cross, founded by the venerable Basil Moreau. As something of an aside here, you can still find Moreau's name on campus today. So, for instance, Moreau Seminary. And it was on a bench outside Moreau Seminary, which sits across the St. Joseph's Lake from most of main campus, where in the movie Rudy, you see Rudy himself open his acceptance letter to Notre Dame. 
due to the amazing view of campus. It is one of my very favorite spots. Anyway, I digress. So Soren joined the order founded by Moreau. In August of 1841, Moreau gathered a group of seven Holy Cross priests, including the 27-year-old Soren, on a missionary trip to Indiana, across the Atlantic Ocean to the United States. The brothers would arrive in America to support the Diocese of Vincennes, located around modern-day Vincennes, Indiana. After a little over a month at sea, the small group arrived in New York City on September 13, 1841. After resting for three days, they proceeded on their long, several-hundred-mile trip to Vincennes. The brothers departed and were actually joined by a nun who was bound for St. Mary of the Woods, a small women's college in Terre Haute. The group traveled by paddle boat up the Hudson River, where they eventually linked up with the Erie Canal near Albany, New York. They took a fairly arduous journey, battling high winds and unsettled waters, all the way to Toledo, Ohio, when they then jumped on the Maumee River. Man, I wonder what would a 19th century travel agent look like, but they traveled as far south on the Maumee as they could until they reached right around Fort Wayne, Indiana. Shout out to the hometown. But then they traveled by land through Logansport, Lafayette, Terre Haute to drop the sister off, and then finally arriving in Vincennes on October 10th, 1841, after nearly a month on the move from New York and over two months after leaving France. Not that any modern context is needed here, but currently you can drive from New York City to Vincennes in just a shade over 13 hours. The French brothers, including Soren, stayed in Vincennes for over a year, mostly working at St. Peter's Church. Soren, being a strong advocate for Catholic education, had a plan to develop a Catholic college at St. Peter's. But one already existed nearby, called St. Gabriel of Vincennes. Though the two men had a deep respect for each other, this became something of a running dispute between Soren and the bishop of the Vincennes diocese. The bishop of the diocese then remembered that he had been given a tract of land in northern Indiana. The northern Indiana wilderness is probably more astute, and he offered it to Soren as something of a compromise. The bishop would give Soren and his mates the land, under the promise that they would get a college, as well as a novitiate or seminary, up and running within two years of arriving. Soren, though sad to leave his St. Peter family, planned to leave on November 16, 1842, for an area of the state known as South Bend. I should probably note that the voyage would be completely on foot and over 250 miles. I should probably also mention that Indiana was in the midst of the worst winter on record. Soren took seven brothers with him, as well as an ox cart. The men of the party were suited 
for the rough life which Soren anticipated would be met while they were building the college from the ground up. So they actually doubled back from some of the route which they had used to reach Vincennes, including going through Lafayette, which is the modern-day home of Purdue University, and Logansport. Once they got to Logansport, they cut sharply north. With each mile they trekked north, the temperature continued to drop. And they soon found that the paths and trails on which they had to guide their wagon were completely frozen. With very few settlements in the intermittent area between Logansport and South Bend, they wound through a dense, wintry forest with little protection against the dangerous elements, natural or otherwise. Here's an excerpt from the Notre Dame history called Notre Dame, 100 Years Later, by Arthur J. Hope. Quote, Of the seven brothers who accompanied Father Sorin, only two were of the original colony from France, brothers Marie and Gation. The others were brothers Patrick, William, Basil, Peter, and Francis. These latter had joined the community since its arrival at St. Peter Church. They were all young and robust. Four of them had come from Ireland. Brothers Peter and Patrick, both farmers, brother Basil, a cooper, and brother William, a carpenter. They had more than 250 miles ahead of them. The weather was bitterly cold every step of the way. They took turns at riding and walking. After a few days of travel, however, Father Soren decided that he and four of the brothers should go on ahead, while the other three should follow at a slower pace with the oxen and laden cart." End quote. So the shivering party split, perhaps making themselves even more vulnerable to the dangers of the trail. But they simply could not slow down for fear of all seven freezing to death. The situation, as described by Notre Dame historian John Theodore Wack, wrote that, quote, Soren, eager to reach his destination before the onslaught of the worst of winter and impatient with the slow progress thus far, took four of the brothers with him and struck out at a faster pace, leaving the other three brothers to follow with the equipment and supplies, end quote. So one can deduce, though Father Soren was moving at a quicker pace, he was moving with fewer supplies. But ten bone-chilling days after they originally left, they arrived in South Bend. They were greeted by a fur trader named Alexis Coquillard and his teenage son, whom Chet Grant actually said would become, later, Notre Dame's first student. They approached the completely frozen over St. Joseph River, and they cautiously crossed it. Again, though it was only late November, it was the absolute coldest winter on record, thus freezing the entire river. Soren, the brothers, and their guides then made their way to a crude log chapel, which sat adjacent to the St. Mary's Lake, which had been built some time before by Father Stephen Baden. 
Baden was the first ordained Catholic priest in the United States and still has a residence hall named after him to this day on campus. And just as another quick aside, the log chapel on campus currently is actually a reproduction of the original Baden Chapel. However, that replica was built in 1906, so it is still well over a century old and is on the National Register of Historic Places. Again, I think one of the really cool parts of this show is hopefully you're taking some of this history to campus with you and maybe you can enjoy these sites a little bit more. But if you haven't had an opportunity to see it, it's really, really neat, the Log Chapel is, by the way. I think some folks may look past it while they're on campus, mostly because it's kind of sandwiched in between the beautiful lake, the basilica, the grotto, and Fair Catch Corby. But please check it out next time you're there. And you will actually find a well pump nearby that was manufactured in Kendallville, Indiana by a company I actually have had multiple family members work for, and my dad and older brother still work for presently. So on a place formerly called St. Mary on the Lake, on December 5th, 1842, Father Edward Soren declared his school one of the most powerful means of doing good in this country. In a letter to the Blessed Basil Moreau, he wrote, quote, Everything was frozen, and yet it all appeared so beautiful. The lake, particularly with its mantle of snow, resplendent in its whiteness, was to us a symbol of the stainless purity of our August Lady, whose name it bears, and also the purity of soul which should characterize the new inhabitants of these beautiful shores. Our lodgings appear to us, as indeed they are a little different from those at St. Peter's. We made haste to inspect all of the various sites on the banks of the lake, which had been so highly praised. Yes, like little children, in spite of the cold, we went from one extremity to the other, perfectly enchanted with the marvelous beauties of our new abode. Oh, may this new Eden be ever the home of innocence and virtue, end quote. That was amazing. Anyways, he called his new school Notre Dame du Lac. Notre Dame, as many of you are aware, is French for Our Lady. Duloc is French for From the Lake or On the Lake. Soren was naturally the first president of the college, a position he held until 1865, after the American Civil War had concluded. Something I want to bring to your attention quickly. This episode is merely about the founding of Notre Dame. We could, and probably will at some point, do an episode about the history of the college during the 1840s and the 1850s. Seriously, it was incredibly tough sledding during those first couple decades. Infinite struggles faced Soren, and he was as effective of a leader as Notre Dame has ever had. And we will be right back.
All right. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed the story of the founding of Notre Dame as well as the fearless leader, Father Edward Soren. You'll find Soren all over the place on present-day Notre Dame. In fact, you'll see a statue for Father Soren. The Soren Society is the giving is the giving group on Notre Dame for philanthropic causes. And I believe there's a Soren Street. Uh, I can picture it in my head here in South Bend. So uh, in addition to that, if you ever want to go pay your respects and you're as strange as I am and you like to visit cemeteries, Father Soren is in fact buried on campus. So not for nothing. I figured I would just share that as well. But I really do hope everybody enjoyed that even as I'm looking at my runtime right now, and it's actually a little bit shorter than a customary episode, but I'm sure nobody minds. So again, hope you enjoyed that. Uh, On the current gridiron, well, we have a big game Saturday, and by the time this episode is released, the game will have been over, but hoping nothing but the best for the Irish as they take on Clemson in South Bend this weekend. Boy, we'll see. So um, what's coming down the pike? Well, head over to the Facebook page to go blow for blow with George Gipp 100 years after his legendary season and untimely death. So I'm adding slides on the appropriate days in a series that I am not so inventively calling In the Footsteps of the Gipper, again, to celebrate his remarkable last few months of life. So feel free, if you don't like the Facebook page, jump over to the Facebook page. I'll give you the uh, address here in a moment. But also on the Facebook page, I'm releasing more and more video in an endeavor I'm calling Onward to Victory TV. So check it out again. The page is facebook.com slash Onward to Victory. So Onward to Victory TV has this season at least primarily focused on current Irish insight, analysis, statistics, game recaps, previews, you name it. So again, it's all over at Facebook at facebook.com slash Onward to Victory. Please, if you dig the show, you can find me on Apple Podcasts. So if you have an iPhone, it's just simply clicking that purple icon. I'm also on Spotify, CastBox, as well as Podbean at onwardtovictory.podbean.com. So again, please like, subscribe, whatever it is that you have to do to make sure that you are being alerted to all the new episodes. If you would like to name yourself to the Onward to Victory Consensus All-American list, join loyal sons Brad, Michael, Adam, Weston, or Colton, and become a loyal son or daughter, so to speak, you can do so very simply. A $15 donation to the show will sponsor some episodes and get your name called out as a Consensus All-American over the air. Uh, You will also receive the latest show swag, currently some show-branded can koozies and the world-famous Father William Corby coasters. As always, this show is just trying to take care of those beverages this football season. So you can donate at paypal.me slash onward to victory for a one-time donation. Or if you want to donate a certain set amount per month, visit patreon.com slash onward to victory podcast. I hope you know that my, my, any support is greatly appreciated and 100% goes back into the show. As always, you can feel free to send the show a good old-fashioned email at onwardtovictorypodcast at gmail.com. I will read them all in it whenever the timing is appropriate. Uh, I will share any correspondence I have. But again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, if you have any ideas for a new show episode or have anything that you'd like for me to research and put into an episode, uh, I'm thinking about doing an uh, episode here soon that 
doesn't maybe necessarily focus exhaustively on one topic, but maybe on three smaller topics. So whatever ideas you have, whatever you want to hear about, whatever you want to learn about, anything, feel free to send the show an email or a Facebook message, whatever it is. So as always, thank you to Joseph Rakish, who allows this song to use his song, Knut Rockney, as the theme. So if you're new around here, that was the song that led you into the show. You can find it again. It's called Knut Rockney on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube. Give it a spin. Put it on your pregame playlist. I listen to it every single Saturday before the Irish play. But sincerely, I know there's a lot going on right now. Um, I'm completely aware of all that's going on in the country. I hope this episode has at least given you a bit of a respite from that, even just for the last half hour or so. But everyone, please keep your heads high. Good times are coming, I promise you. And with that, I should probably sign off. This has been Onward to Victory, a Notre Dame football podcast. And in kindness... I am your host, Alex Painter. And as always, go Irish.